All righty. Ciao, everybody. Welcome to the first Italian soccer pod. Right now, we have Calcio Nostro, but we're going to work on something later. Don't worry. The name's coming. The name's coming. I am joined with Michele, or Mike as we call him in America. Say, hi, say what's up, Mike. Hello. <laughs> Galano's here, too. My brother. What's going on? So, match day eight in the books. We had a lot of interesting games. But what we're going to start with are the two leaders in the, in the race right now in Milan and Napoli. Napoli, really hard game against Torino. The result didn't justify how much they actually played well during the game. They had a bit of a spurt in the second half where they were looking like they were going to concede a goal. But of all people, Koulibaly coming out of nowhere to lead the team to the only goal of the game. And a crucial three points as Spalletti's men now are 8 of 8 starting the season. Guys, I don't know about you guys, but I think this can be they can they can withstand this run up until probably maybe December. You know, what do you guys think? So, I mean, I don't know about that. You look at Napoli's results and eight games in, have they really been tested yet? They played a pretty weak Juve team because they had a bunch of players tied up in South American qualifiers, mm-hmm. and I, you know, they weren't stunning against Torino and a lot of that has to be said is because Juric has them playing really amazing defensive football they've given up I think going into the weekend it was the third least amount uh goals behind only Napoli and Milan Mm -hmm. can they keep it up I don't know I I think they're gonna drop off at some point for certain I think AFCON's really gonna mess them up because they're gonna be losing Koulibaly, Anguisa and uh, Don't forget Gulam. Oziman. Don't forget Gulam. <laughs> he, he's a legend of Italian soccer. So yeah. I but the I think the bigger thing is, is that you take perfect eight games. I mean, can someone catch them? That's that's where I'm at. Well, Milan only two points back. And we'll get into Milan, but I think Milan has their own issues. Yeah, Galan, what do you think? <laughs> I remember the good old days with Spalletti. Okay. And there was one season, I believe it was 2017, 2018, where January 1st, we were in first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we started uh, 10 of 11 games without it, with only one draw. And then we lost to Juve in Juve at, at the, at the Allianz. I think, was it the Allianz at the time? or Juventus probably still the J at the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and then it was all downhill from there. So, uh, obviously, you, you you start off undefeated. You don't drop points. You take that every single day of the week. But Napoli, has a, as a team, mentally, has shown that it's it, it, it prone to a collapse. And Spalletti as a manager, the same thing. So, I would just... I, I'm hoping, out of all... If it's not Inter, I hope Napoli wins. And I think this is encouraging... But I would just hold on until, especially as, as Mike mentioned, like the AFCON Cup is going to be very hard for Napoli to get by. So I, w- I would just, there's a lot of factors to go on. And obviously it's not, it's not under Spalletti, it's under Sarri, but Napoli has been in this exact scenario just a few years ago. And it took Juve breaking Serie A's record points, I think, and winning 24 of 26, something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. To, but they fell apart that year in a way, right? They started super hot and then they lost it. So nothing's done yet. Spalletti teams do start hot. I, 
I'm worried about them in, in January. And they do have big matches in January. I think that they definitely play Juve again at the beginning of January. And if it's a healthy Juve... Yeah, so I can read you what the January fixtures are. But before I get to that, I want to talk about November. Because November, they have a lot of games and they have a lot of tough games. So they have Europa League against Warsaw, which, you know, I most of us on this panel accept them, expect them to win, right? I don't think anyone else... Isn't expects. that always a problem, though? We always expect... Them to win the Europa we expect League. every Italian team to win a, a game against lesser opposition, but only Inter recently has done that. Um, and before that, they didn't. Exactly. So, you know, Italy teams, we don't know what's going to happen. But also, in that same month, they go up against Hellas Verona, which were a tough out against Milan this past weekend. They have Inter at Inter. Then they go to Moscow against Sportak, and then they host Lazio at the end of November. So I think that's the real first test for them, and I think I'm Wait, looking they at host, they host Lazio at the end of September at the end, at of, end of November. Yes, so they have a Saudi coming home game. They have a Saudi, technically a Saudi return game, which is going to and with Spalletti, who's who we all know is Ooh. a character. He's been looking slim though with his Good kids' luck. small, you know, Under Armour training when he wears the games now, but that shiny bald headed man, that that mad that bald mad man, I love him. I'm I'm full. Spallettiism, whatever it is. I'm wearing a Napoli quarters it, but I think that's going to be their first real test. Like, you know, is this team for real? And then it doesn't get easier in December. They get their away to Sassuolo, home to Atalanta, home to Leicester, home to Empoli, away to Milan, and then home to Spezia, which, I mean, there's only really two games in that that are certainties um, in the Empoli and the Spezia games. And then, like Mike said, they play Juve January 6th. And... The reason why that's important is because that's, I assume, AFCON starts at the beginning of January. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure exactly when the start date is. I believe so. I think it's either, I think it's, yeah, I think it's beginning of the January, beginning yeah. of January. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mike touched on that where they're missing Osiman and Gisa and, um, it's Jan 9 to February 6th. Jan 9 to February 6th. So, yeah, a month. And they're missing their top goal scorer in Osiman, their best defender in Koulibaly. They're, most dynamic midfielder in Angisa right now. I think the Angisa thing is is people are going to look at Osiman and Koulibaly and like obviously these are important, like the most important. But Angisa is the reason Fabian Ruiz is playing well this Read year. Read my mind. Read my mind. And losing him, I mean, if Ruiz goes back to the way that he played last year, he's just a shell of himself again. And then you're talking about big, big problems because that's not a team that has depth either, Napoli. So the thing is, Demme is back. Deme is on the comeback trail. He's, he, I don't think he's played in a, in a game in the past two games. So I think the initial plan with, with Spalletti, but Spalletti was all about Deme hold, playing in the, in the uh, Regista role. You know, like he was, he was the, the main guy going forward. And, and Grisa was kind of brought in to be his replacement when he went down with the injury. Yeah. So I think Angisa will be missed. It'll be different, right? Like Angisa is, is, yeah. is a bulldozer in the mm-hmm. midfielder. Dem is not the same. He's a much smaller guy, not as dynamic. But I think by the sum of their parts, the midfield will still be okay. It and they okay. have they have enough to dominate there against smaller opposition. It's gonna I think up top is where you really lose it. And you have to rely on Patania. I love Patania as That's much as the next guy. Boy. That's well, a big boy. He could probably carry a whole team on his back physically, but can he do it figuratively? So like I don't think he can. My counteract my counterargument to that is remember what Spalletti did with that Roma team when he was with Totti. He made Totti into a false number nine. He invented the false nine per se. He has Mertens back. 
He can probably go to a similar system where he puts Merton as the false nine. It's an old Mertens, though. It's an old Mertens. It's he an old. Really it's an old Mertens, but guy. he also has Patania. Where I know Pat- I'm not saying Patania is the starting caliber striker, but what I'm saying is he does have different looks that he can throw to. Or maybe you put Insignia in that center forward role because God knows out left he's not beating anybody on the dribble. Or, you know, successfully cutting inside and crossing it on a consistent basis. I think so. Mancini tried that with the national team and it didn't work either. But national team football is different than I club football. I get it. So, I, get it. I don't know. Or here's the wild card. Does Napoli bring somebody in? So, that that was what I was going towards as well. Because they didn't bring it. They brought Rahmani in the summer. No. They brought, I mean, Rahmani's been there for a couple of years. Really? Yep. And Giza's the only, and Giza's the only one that they brought in. And, uh, and uh, Unas. But he's going to be away at AFCON anyway. Yes. Um, is he going to be away at AFCON? I might be misspeaking on that. Sorry. Give me Are you saying Elmas or? Unas. Unas, I'm not sure. The new guy they got from, uh, what's it called? Was he from Hellas? I don't remember. Uh, Part of me feels like he was on loan and then came back. Well, I think that regardless of all of this, yeah, yeah. the Inter-Napoli game is going to be telling, right? Because yeah. Inzaghi teams are really difficult Bad. to beat at home. <laughs> They're not good on the road, as we saw this weekend, but I think that that's going to be the first real deal test. And I think if you're Napoli, you really have to start thinking about whether or not these Europa League games are worth playing. And they're probably not because even if they're not going to win the Scudetto at this point, right, they have enough points where it looks like they should be a lock for the top four and the Champions League money Mm -hmm. matters so much to a team like Napoli. I think that they should really just hard rotate in the Europa League games, give up on that tournament and try to go or the Scudetto. Yeah, and that works well where I kind of want to transition this argument to because in, uh, Mike had brought up Inter, especially the Inter versus Napoli game is going to be a crucial telling point in the season for Napoli. I also wanted to kind of segue into that because they played lots of this weekend and they were up one nothing at half and then they lost 3-1 at the end of the game. For me, I want to talk about that penalty that was awarded. I thought it was soft. There's contact. I'm not denying there's contact, but it's a contact that most players at that at that level can shake off. There wasn't much force to it. Yeah, but I but I want to get to the bigger they, point. They got a makeup call. Yeah, that was a makeup call. Yeah, that pen on Bastoni is an absolute yeah. makeup call. So it's I wanted neutralized. so I wanted to kind of give it to you guys, starting with Galano being the interista that he is, and then yes, I put an A on it on purpose. I want you to kind of assess how Inter played, and you know what issues or concerns you might have, given that they were up at half and lost three one. The problem is the midfield. I've Sorry. I've said this. I think we said this on the one podcast that we had just us. Two. It was a I, test run. It's not online, but it was a test run. I think I think the midfield is a um, is an iceberg. It's a it's a high, it's a hidden iceberg because the Simone and Zaghi teams were loaded there. Right, you had Milinkovic Savage, you had Alberto, you had um, you had Lucas Leva. Like they were loaded. Right, right now you have two reliable midfielders, Barella and Brozovic. Mm-hmm. Right, and you're playing Champions League football. And what do those two guys do? What is their number one skill set? They run all the time. Mm-hmm. When they lose their legs, that's when they're in trouble. Like you're already seeing Barella getting taken out in the 70th minute because Inzaghi knows he needs him in the game. Exactly. Because yeah. off the bench, who do you have? To be honest, Gagliardini, <laughs> to, <laughs> the yeah, star to, of Italian no, soccer. Don't forget Matteo Vecino. Listen, I've said this before. Vintage Vicino would thrive in this system, but he's not. He, we don't have him. We don't so would Vintage Vidal, though. And and so I'm glad you yeah. brought him up. Vidal this year has looked. He's he's the third best midfielder on the team. I, I I'm I am so confident on that. When I see the lineup, when I saw the lineup today for Champions League, mm-hmm. I saw Vidal in the starting lineup. I'm like, we got this. 
Vidal. I mean, it didn't look pretty though in the starting lineup today. No, 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 no. I mean, but but Vidal Vidal is is a box to box energy legs guy, but he can only play once a week. That's his thing. Yep. You can't put him in multiple games. No, agreed. The problem is you have Chalanoglu, who you he. Thank you for that. You're, also, yeah, you're so very welcome. <laughs> the man who is always falling when he I runs. always think about this like this team would be so perfect with the healthy Ericsson. Like it would be yep. it would be night and day. Obviously wishing best wishes yes, to him of course, because of the of heart course. issue that and he like, had obviously, the Euro. Like, me and you have discussed this on the side like if my heart had given out the way his does, I think my football career is over. Right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not taking no, that chance agreed. again. Um but but I, that midfield is a concern. That midfield is an absolute it's an absolute concern because you don't have the link up hold up player up top to bail your midfield out where you can go defense to to up to, to striker. You right have away. the you have one of the top thirty players in the world in Lotado, <laughs> the to the Ballon d'Or shortlist. Yeah, Ballon d'Or nominee. I just start for another day. I can't believe he's on that list. But sorry, continue. I cut you off. But Zeko, you know, his hold up game is fine, but he's not, you know, He's old. He's not prime Zeko. He's not. You wouldn't. Prime you wouldn't guess that he's old based on the numbers, though, no, would you? He's no. having. He's having a gangbuster start and to the season. Yeah, Zeko's doing. So here's the thing. Zeko's doing all that he can. Even Lautaro looks pretty good. I think but we Lautaro still look looks sta- great. We still look stagnant, and the reason why is because you're completely dominant on one side. You have it's Bros and Barella, and then who random playing? Yeah. like it's it's a mystery there, and then you have. The defense, which has looked shaky, right? I think Inzaghi's still kind of getting his bearings of what to do with the defense. And at fullback, it's a rotating door. I, DeMarco looks really good. I've loved DeMarco so yeah. far. So, and Dumfries isn't ready to play yet, though. Dumfries is getting there, slowly. Dumfries looks is great. Yeah. In certain moments, he looks incredible. He looks almost as good as Hakimi at some points. And then other times, you're like, what is he doing? Yeah. Me and Marco were talking about this earlier. Like, would you wouldn't know Dumfries is 6'2". He's six two. He's two inches shorter than Zeko. He's, and he's and for and for a wing back, that's huge. Yeah. I'm I'm five eleven. I as a wing back would be big for the position. Yeah. Usually you want like your five Hakimi seven. Hakimi looks 5'10". tall for a wing back. Exactly. He's yeah, and he's he's five eleven. He's my height. But um, and this is all under like we cannot forget who like Handanovic. He's a legend. Love him. Best penalty. You sa- need you need a new goalie. Best penalty saver in Serie A history. He's past it. Well, the good yeah. thing is he's out of contract at the end of he's the year. He's out of contract. I think he'll renew. Yeah. Just I because think Inter doesn't maybe, have the money to do it. I think that they really just want to have him walk peacefully, and that's what they're hoping to do. But mm-hmm. I guess a lot of that will depend on yeah. the ownership situation. A couple of different things that I'm thinking about Inter. One, Barella, obviously, we know what he does best, but he's having a really he's, great he's, year passing the ball. Yes. I think right now he's at the top of Serie A and assists. So that... Looks incredible. He's I can check for you right game. now. Top assist right now. Badella with five in eight yep. games played. So yep. he he's showing a lot of different facets to the game. The stamina is definitely a problem though, and you see that, you know, at part of that's because he played so much for Italy. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think, and I don't necessarily think Sensi would fit an Inzaghi team, but I think it's a big big pain for Inter that they invested so much into this guy that looks brilliant but can't stay what, fit. What was the transfer fee for him? Oh, I think it was like... It was like 30? It was 20 to 30. Oh. But he was young at the he, time. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's it's still like, tight. He's not that old him, now. We watched him today as as that... Uh, Erickson role. Not even in the Erickson role. He was playing as a as a Medzala. Yeah. And he's so good. He, he gets out. He knows how to find space. He's not afraid to shoot. Right, I, that's the one thing that we miss in the midfield. We don't have a shooter. So, for those that don't know what 
the metallic position is off, that listens off to the center. Okay. Up and down. Like into the right or left of the bottom. middle. Yes. Right. Slightly yes. ahead of a holding mid. Sorry, I just want to explain. No, I get it. Yeah. There's no technical gap. Like technically, he's so gifted. There's no gap in the game there. It's just he he doesn't have the body yeah. to play professional it's, soccer. And it's yeah. really, so sad. really sad to it's see. So sad. So now did he have kind of sidetracking to Sensi a little bit? Did he have this um injury track record at Sassuolo too? No. No. You know what his first injury was? Like I remember it to the day. At Inter? Yeah. Oh. The first game against Juve that he played against. That's right. That was his and first injury. I remember. Ever since then. I was, in, I was in San Diego with our cousins watching that game. And I was thinking, like, oh, wow, Inter are going to do this. They're going to beat them. And then. You even said it. Sensi looked and incredible. Sensi, Sensi came out, and then it was a totally different team. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they've tried to rebuild it. But, you know, Galano had, you know, his concerns about the midfield is accurate. But, Mike, you, wanted, you said you had some other further points about. Um, I, oh, I, I, I think we've covered pretty much what I wanted to say. I think going back to the 3-1 loss this weekend, yeah. if I'm an Inter fan, I'm not too concerned. I still think that this is by miles the deepest team in Serie A. Uh, the one thing, though, about Inter, really, it's the same sort of thing that we were talking about. Napoli, obviously, it's Champions League, not Europa League, is how hard they want to go in that competition because they're not winning the Champions League. There's no shot at that, but mm-hmm. they can probably push to the quarters if they really, really. They they've had they've had some harsh luck in the Champions League. Milan. Sure, uh, sure, but at the same time, I think it, they're going to drop points if they go that hard in the I, Champions I've, League. I think Inter should get out of the group stage and then pack it in. Well, get the money. And interfacing interfacing different issue than Milan when it comes to Champions League. Last year, oh. you were in the, essentially the identical group. Shakhtar still haunts me. And Shakhtar is, I hear Galano scream about Shakhtar in a sleep point sometimes. We only, we, <laughs> our rooms are down the hall. I, I wake up with a bat in my hand and he just keeps shouting, Shakhtar, Shakhtar, Shakhtar. But aside from that, Inter have a different expectation to Milan when it comes to Champions League. Last year, again, same group, but everyone was on the mindset, okay, they're going to throw Champions League away and they're going to focus on the screw that though. And you guys did that and you won. We didn't throw it away. But we yeah, gave it I up. was gonna say we tried. I we think that they tried hard. We did. We they, it just so happened that I but, think that they benefited so is, by getting eliminated. So, look at, so let me the yeah. media spin <laughs> at its finest. So let me let me rephrase we did it. Not throw it away. We gave. But it away. but when we when like, you oh when God. you guys were out, you it seemed like the fan base wasn't entirely mad because it's like okay, you have all your eggs in a basket. You can focus solely on Scudetto. No, we weren't mad, but the, the idea. First of all, we were mad, but the the way we looked at it was like, okay, if we win the scudetto, it'd be all worth it. Yes, but it, if we didn't win the scudetto, over. It's it's fire everybody. It's a whole new project. And, and two and two technically fair, you did have a decently hard group that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, that the, people here's underestimate. Here's the big question though: They get out of the group stage. Do we still talk about the extent of sales that we had this summer? I think so. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, maybe Lukaku for sure. Yeah, I think Lukaku. Would Lukaku still go. wanted to go at the end. Also, yeah. I think. I think he saw Chelsea and his eyes lit up, which is totally understandable, uh, right? I'm much more pessimistic on that. I think initially, maybe he was more hesitant, and then someone was like, "You know, you you would benefit the club as a whole if you would go." And they'd be like, "You know what? This is also a great opportunity. I'll leave too." And he also left on a, on a high. Like he, people would say, it's like you no. Know, now it's one of those things. Where it's like, what if you say in Serie A? Like maybe it was a dynasty. So it's always there's always like that fairy tale about it, where it kind of prolongs the legend of Lukaku in Serie A. For he was in for two seasons, right, or three, two, 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 two right. Two. Well, I, I think 
I don't know. Looking at it from the outside, I think that it just looks like smart business right now from Inter. He's no, agreed. That, agreed. that was that was the highest that you'll get for him. They navigated what they had to. I would rather have kept him. Honestly, if we didn't have the financial problems, I would have much rather have kept him. I really oh, would. Of course, have. I think yeah. a lot of teams after that performance of that he's season. Twenty-seven. Now here, here's a question, right? Like going back to the summer, there was always the talk that Inter was going to sell some of their stars. Are you are you happier to keep Lautaro, or would you rather have kept no. Lukaku? I would, really, I would have kept Lukaku. I think Lautaro's looked great this year for what he's done. I understand wanting to keep Lukaku, but that's a tough call. I don't know. My yeah. concern my concern with Lautaro is that he has a little bit... I'm not just saying this because they're both Argentinian. I think he has a little bit of Dybala in him where he needs. he's positionally very limited. right? I think Lautaro is great as a second striker, plays nice when he's with somebody. As a solo striker, I know he's played a little bit for Argentina like that, but in Argentina you also have Messi who does a lot for you with like otherwise. So Lukaku is somebody that can do everything on his own, fits every system. He's the number one person on the on the board, and you can you can build your team around it. Lautaro, like you're very positionally limited, and he doesn't offer you this. He can't take over a game like Lukaku can. No, that that's I'm I'm always I'm I downplay Lotaro. I think for me a big thing with being a forward in today's football, you need to be very consistent. Yeah. Lotaro as an overall player is kind of consistent. It's half and half consistent, but one thing I rip on him for is his finishing. There are days where he puts in these world class finishes, like, oh, okay, I see the 80, 90 million flashed around his name. Then he has games that he just goes MIA from a finishing perspective. And you're like, wait, this guy's worth 80, 90 million. So me and I have argued a lot about it. But, you know. The, the greatest, the, the one of the in most interesting stats about Lautaro is his accuracy from outside the box. Like, he's actually a long distance shooter. The crazy thing is you put him in the box. <laughs> he hits a crossbar, he hits a post. five yards, he's, yeah. he's hitting it with the same power as if he's 20 yards away. Yeah. And that's his problem. Because he, he's either smashing it at the goalie or at the post. That's what he does. You know, on the volley, he's incredible. I've, I I think on the volley, he's probably he's better than Lukaku. And he's better than Nikata. He's one of the best volley finishers I've seen. Mm-hmm. It's ball on the ground in the eight yard, within eight yards of the box. Yeah. That's when you're in trouble. That's when you're like, okay, what, is this going to go in? Yeah. Some miracle. You, you want to say anything? All right. But now... We spoke about Inter. I know. We're done with Inter. I, I got. Piece. I was crying. Now, now I'm boiled. He's, now he, I'm it's go. weird. He's crying, but his fist is clenched with just beating rage and sadness. It's, I don't know what's you going on. See me during the sheriff game. Too. But to kind of pivot to the other side of Milan, we do have a native AC Milan fan with us in Mike. Mike, what do you think about what Milan's doing now? Do you think they can prolong it? You said that you know that Inter is the deepest team, but. You know, what do you feel about Milan's chances about prolonging this good form or about their team in general? So I feel a lot similar to how I did at this point last year with Milan. Okay. Milan got off to a crazy hot start last year, too, and they were in first place at that point. And I think they have Panatona. two weeks ago, if you would have asked me what's the biggest concern for Milan, I would have said 100% is whether Tonali can keep his form through AFCON when we lose Ben Acer and when yeah. we lose Cassie. Now it's a little bit trickier because... Manyan is gone for two months at least from here. I yeah, think. he had what was it a thumb or was it just overall wrist hand surgery. wrist? So Sorry. I mean that's that's also super concerning when you're a goalie, right? Yeah. Uh, 
I, I don't know that this team can keep this form up. I think one of the biggest things that you see about Milan, and you saw it this week when they struggled to beat a not good Verona side. Verona has well, the, no players. Uh, Verona, to be fair to Verona, once they got rid of Di Francesco, they've been on somewhat of a form. They got a... Uh, they have a dead cat bounce right now. Yes. No, agreed. Yeah, I think that they're just enjoying that. But I think that part of the problem is, is when Milan rotates the squad, and they had to rotate this week because Teo's out mm-hmm. with COVID and Brahim's out with COVID. They just look bad. They looked bad against Spezia too. And every I forget who they played somebody else lower tier in the in the league, then they had to put the starters in in the sixtieth minute to go and grab wins. And that's the concern because it's almost like a Sarri effect where they can only play with the same eleven or twelve guys. Mm-hmm. And at some point someone's gonna get hurt. We haven't had our strikers, so they've already been hurt. We lose anybody in the midfield. I mean, you're already asking Krunic to step up for a few <laughs> games in January, and Krunic can get the job done if you need him to plug a hole. Free kick specialist. Yeah, he's he's a wonder boy. Wait, Hakan 2.0? Like oh wait, they they didn't pay for this guy like they pay for Hakan. Gotcha. All right, all right. sorry, Mike. Continue. No, I I just think that looking at it and looking at their depth, I think Milan 22 points through eight match days. That's incredible for them. Agreed. And I think. There's no way that this team takes the Scudetto. I think that okay, if sorry. you're a Milan fan and someone asks you today, if you're a Milan, I should say, and there's someone puts it on the table, sign for top four today, and that's all you get, no Scudetto, I think you still take that. I think you take that, but I kind of want to pose the same question that we talked about with Napoli, where, you know, yes, they've had, again, you said 22 points from eight games. They drew once and won the rest. Do you think that this team can actually still stay in top four by the end of the season? Top four, it depends. I, I think... Like, do you feel as confident with them as you do with Napoli? I think Napoli is going to be a lock top four. I think that that's just too talented of a roster. Okay. And they're also... They have the points. They have the security. I think Inter is too talented to not get top four. I'm not counting Juve out just because they're they're getting hot. And Allegri is Allegri. I, I don't care what people say. I think that he knows how to win games. Milan... It's going to depend. I mean, it depends whether or not Atalanta catches fire. I, I'd say that I'm not sold that this is a top four team. I think it definitely helps that, you know, we're recording this on October 19th and we know through three games in Champions League, they have zero points. So they should just nuke that. Yeah. And that'll help to get some points there. But I don't think that looking at this roster, I, I know a lot of people are, well, you know, well, they have 22 points. What are you saying? But I don't know that it's talented enough to do this. And I think. Part of the reason is like you're still relying on Ibrahimovic. You're still relying on like Giroud's a he's good at finishing in the air, but that's his attribute, and he's a handsome boy. All right, before hold on, before I get Tano goes on his tangent, I want to <laughs> give all the listeners some background. So aside from being a newly appointed Napoli fan, I my original team is Arsenal in the EPL. And I was always a ragger on Giroud because Giroud was either never healthy or similar to Lautaro in a more extreme sense, was very inconsistent. But Galano, being Galano, my older brother, he likes to troll me and saying how Giroud is the best player in Arsenal's history and all the jokes like that would come around. So now, and also he comments on how good looking he is, which is just weird, but that is what it is. Now... Galano, the floor is yours. What comments you have to make about Giroud being at Milan? I know you wanted him at Inter, but, you know. I was just going to try to pull up the stats, but did you know that Giroud is, I think... He's the second all-time goal scorer for France. Second all-time goal And he's only, like, France. I think three goals behind the top scorer. Exactly. So, yeah. he's also a European Cup winner twice. He's won it twice. European Cup winner? Well, who? He won the Europa League Cup 
with Chelsea, and he won the Champions League Cup with what? Chelsea. No, he didn't. He was on the team. Last year. Yes, he yeah. was. Yes, he was. <gasps> he was on loan? No, no, he was there. He's a born champion. <sighs> well, world, I mean, he's... Won a World Cup. He did, and he's actually a vital part of that World Cup team. I don't think he's won the Prem. I think it's the only one that's escaped him so far is the Prem. He's well, he was an Arsenal, playing so no. second fiddle to a 40-year-old, which is tough on him, and I don't think he deserves that. And I think, honestly, it's time for Milan to cut ties with Ibra after the end of the well, season. Well, he only signed a one... He didn't sign a multi-year deal, did he? Or yeah, one year, because I'm say it's, it's like a $20 million thing, right? It's, no, I think it's like $8 million. But that's $8 million net, right? Yeah, $8 million net. So yeah. in Italy, 16. that's like $16 million. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but yeah, it's... Which is why there's... Current problems with the Kessier negotiation because Kessier is like, oh well, we could, we could get into Mike, that. I have Mike, some Mike, this is this is your team. Just so just pop off. I'm just going to lay the groundwork. I, there's some troubles in paradise with uh, Kessier. Kessier, I think, is asking for somewhere north or around. I think, Ibra, was, Ibra I think it's like eight million a year. I see the logic. Like he's an everyday player. He's crucial. He's in the midfield. Blah blah blah. blah. Now I really want to hear Mike's thoughts. On Pause. That. Pop off, King. Well, I, I I think he's played himself out of a contract. I think that. Last year, he could have asked himself for whatever money he wanted. I think that Maldini would have given him. The reports are saying that the asking price keeps changing. And I guess it depends on what media outlet you're looking at. But the the pro Milan media outlets in Italy are saying, you know, they met him at five. They met him at six. And now he's asking six and a half, seven. And it just keeps going up. And I think he's, he's been poor when he's on the pitch this year. And... Tonali has really made that difference up, and he took a pay cut to stay. I think he's playing himself out of a contract, and I think it's tough because Milan's also in this sort of weird position where they keep letting players walk, and that's part of the reason why I have mixed feelings on it. But I would I would say you, you don't want to pay that man 7 million euro. He's so inconsistent. And last year, I know he was great, but look at the years before that. when they After they bought him from Atalanta, he was really sort of a dud. So... I have an interesting question to you then, because Milan bought Brahim Diaz and Tamor in the summer this well, year. Brahim's loaned, because isn't it it's option to buy? Taking two years. Yeah, but Real has the the trigger buy back, buy. so. Oh, uh, okay. See, this this is why we have experts on these teams because I don't know the in and outs of the contracts. But, um, so now January window, you guys have Afcom because you're missing both Kessier and Benacer. Do Milan try to rebuild that midfield and? Well, I think they have Bakayoko, who just came back. He played a little bit today, but he's not the same quality, right? And he doesn't have the same attributes as those guys. I don't even think he's played. Well, he's been injured. He's been injured for so long. He's rusty, and this this is where I see the problems at. I mean, like, not to mention that your attack, you're you're relying on Leo, who also, he looks like a world beater this year right now, but... We also know the other side of Leal when he decides that he just can't shoot the ball on target, when he just can't dribble past people. So you're, you're relying on this inconsistent guy, and he's been great so far. And then, I don't know, I, I, I think Brahim has been great, but then the other side's a bit weak. I think you're, you're talking about Salamakers, who I don't think has great offensive traits. I, I think he's just sort of one of those squad fillers that's like a Kroonich plus, if you will. Um I, I just I don't see the depth to win the Scudetto with this team. My my argument for Milan potentially winning is I I think that defense is stellar. I love that defense. I think the defense is amazing. Obviously with Romagnolis starting center back, right? <laughs> no, the best move Milan had made in the past decade. Oh no! Besides signing Zlatan, is Drew Tamori. 
Oh, I mean that that worked out. That that's I thought, so much. Steel. I thought you were steel. going toxic route about sitting Romagnoli. That's where I thought you were. No, going. that is. That, we want to. No, it's tied into that. The reason why Tomori <laughs> is such a great signing is because you finally sit that bum of a center back. Alessio's been good this year, though. Obviously, he's, he's not been. He's learning. He's not been, you know, starting quality, especially on Milan, because you have Fick and you have Kaya, who are better than him. But I think. The re-sign situation with with Romagnoli, I think for five million, I would sign him back. If Milan looks like they're going to be a Champions League squad, you need a guy who can rotate like that. And I think if he plays at this level, I'm okay with it. I was more excited about the potential Romagnoli Bernardeschi swap. I really wanted that to happen, but probably not. I know that you don't love Alessio, but I think he's been okay this year. I think he's a good. I think he's a fine. Third center. He, I think he's a starting caliber center back in Serie A. On lower level teams, sure. on, on a middle level. So now, so I mean, Fiorentina is the lowest. I, team I was about to say, that's like, I like say. as I'm saying, like uh, when you say lower teams, people think it's like, oh, you're thinking like a Venezia. Like no, like he's better than that. It's a complicated situation too, though, because he's the captain of Milan, but also not good enough to like. So well, th- 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 when they bought him, they were like, he's the next Nesta, and that yeah. how do you live up to that? Yeah, did, did he self proclaim himself as the next Nesta, or was that rumored? Like I, I heard a report that there he, were a lot of comparisons to it. Because he was he was a Lazio fan growing up. He was coming from Rome. I'd say he's from the region. He's from the same region as Nesta. He yeah. came from the same city when Milan bought him, and he people thought he was going to play the similar style. And uh, correct me, they if were I'm, wrong. Is that is he one of the last purchases under the Berlusconi era? I could yeah. be wrong. Oh yeah, he was part of that summer. Uh, like they were on their way out, and I think he was maybe the last one. They spent, I think, ninety that summer on three players. There was another. Berlusconi was the ex-owner of AC Milan. For those that aren't aware, sorry, I'm just going to do but side I, notes. I, I'm curious to know what what the what, when he was purchased. I remember, I think the fee was twenty million from Roma. Yeah, because he was he starting for Roma at that point. I think he had come back on loan. I don't think he had played. Yeah, for I don't Roma. think he played either. Yeah, because yeah. I remember that they bought him from Roma, but I didn't know exactly. That was during like the banter era for both clubs. Oh yeah, I mean Serie A was banter era. It was just that yeah. peak at that. Point. It was just like Juve, Juve winning, Juve winning everything. So I, I do agree. Milan's defense, I think, is one of the the better ones, and if not the best in Italy. And I know on goals, Napoli's better right now. But I think Calabria is the unsung hero of Milan constantly. Agreed. He's he's a better defender than Teo, but Teo gets all of the praise because he runs up the pitch and dives all the time. <laughs> I can't stand watching Teo Hernandez. He's an, he's an incredible player. He's super fast. He he runs at players. He's really dynamic. I can't stand watching him. He goes to the ground too easily. It's it's just embarrassing to watch. But he's great. I think that their standard back four is great. I think Manyan has been. Solid. I mean, you're not gonna replace Donnarumma, but I guess they did as well as they could have. We got. We got to talk about. It. We, we got to get his take on the Donnarumma. No. So. Situation. So that. That's where I was going. I was going yeah. there. Relax. Uh, I, 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 I gotta hear. I this. have an idea. We can't have anarchy. We need structure. That's how this podcast works. I need to know. So, you know, Mike brought up a lot. Thanks to Galan for segueing into an abrupt way, but whatever. Mike brought up a lot of departures, and you know Donnarumma is obviously the big departure that everyone in Italy was talking about. But now he's not really playing a lot of PSG, and he's showing his frustration. And one place I really saw it—not frustration, but more of just the effect of him not playing—was when he, we played Spain. And when Italy played Spain in the Nations League, he looked bad. He looked bad, but I think that the crowd was on his back too, and I think it got to him more than he thought it was Le- going to. Leave it to Italians to boo your own national team goalkeeper at home. 
There's a lot. There's a lot in that statement, and I think that we don't need to go there. But I think you know, Milan. I think it, they look the better side right now because Manyan has panned out. But I think it's still stupid. It's still just flat out stupid not to pay the man. He's 22. He's the best probably goalie in Milan history already. He started playing for you when he was 16 through the youth academy. He's coming off. I mean, he's. At the time, I guess, he's not yet a Euro winner, but he's playing at the national team. It's so important to have Italians in Italy. He's asking for $9 million. That's what the reports are saying, right? Pay him. Pay him. I, I, I cannot possibly fathom why they wouldn't. And I know that people will say, oh, well, then you have to pay Mino and you have to keep playing the games with Raiola. But at a certain point... You, it's worth it to have players of that caliber, to have players that are world-class. You have to play ball with these agents that are going to play with you like that. And I'm curious, what what do you guys think? Because in my mind, I I mean, I'm thrilled about Manyan, but at the end of the day, 100 out of 100 times, I'd rather have Donnarumma, and I don't care how much he's making. Get on your thoughts. I, I think if you leave it for the last year, you have to you have to pay up. You can't let the asset go for free. That, that's the big. Well, that's, that's a big thing that they're doing right now yeah. is that they're not signing people back, and then it's you're you're between a rock and a hard place yeah. because you can't sell them, and the player has all of the power. Yeah, uh, just just from what I've seen on the Inter side, Beppe Morata is probably the best CEO, not CEO, best sporting director in in Calcio right now. He's he's making it a prerogative to sign bigger contracts when there's more years left on the table, right? Like, Barella, I think, has three years left on his table. They're already in contract negotiations. Lautaro's got two, already in negotiations. Brozovic in two, still in negotiations. The reason why is because the less time you have on those contracts, the more power goes to the player and the, and vis-a-vis more power to the agent. So if, if you weren't going to re-sign him, if the money was truly out of the budget for Milan to, to sign him, then this should have been taken care of two years ago. Like, that, that's the biggest mistake. Yeah, you can say, oh, you know, we were aiming for the Champions League and, you know, with, with Donnarumma, that's our best opportunity, so we're going to ride it and we'll just, you know, play. We'll see how it goes. I think that's nonsense. I think if, if you were talking about, like, a striker or a midfielder, sure, but a goalie, you could you can build the team around it. If you could if you could sell... Two years ago, you could sell Donnarumma for $60 million. I think more. I, but bare minimum, you could sell yeah. him for $60 million. Mm-hmm. And that's all... On the balance sheet, that's also all... Flat. All profit oh, yeah. because he's coming from the youth academy. There's no amortized value that you have to get rid of. Right. None of it makes sense from a business perspective. Yeah. And and I'm so tired of seeing Milan fans online saying Maldini's a genius, Maldini's a genius. Okay, yeah, it were Chanalaglu, it doesn't look like a bad move to let him walk. He's not strong at Inter. Sure. You're gonna keep letting these guys do this. I mean, Kessie's not a bad player. You should re-sign him still. I mean, seven's a lot. I just said he's playing himself out of a contract, but you should still re-sign him. And Alessio is also, I mean, another guy that you need to have if you're going to be the type of squad that Milan needs to be. Again, the problem is all these all the players he just mentioned are expiring this year. Give me another team that's encountering these issues. Like another big club that's like, oh my God, the, their contract is expiring. Besides, everyone's making a whole thing about Vlaovic, right? His contract's not expiring for another two years. But Comiso's smart for that. That's what it's I'm saying. He's a genius. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to get this out in the open. We have two years left. We're going to we're gonna bring it to the table. If mm-hmm. there's nothing going on now, I got a year to sell him. And I'm going to sell him to the highest bidder. Because you know why? Because Comiso's biggest nightmare is selling another Fiorentino legend or good player to Juve. But could you imagine 
if Juve has Chiesa, the Vlaovic, and also don't forget Bernardeschi because I mean they stripped him and, from that and, team too. And, yeah. yeah. But, um, but Milan's the opposite of Juve right now, whereas Juve's signing all of these people on Bosman deals. They're letting everybody everybody walk. It's mm-hmm. it's it's so frustrating to watch. And I mean, I'm not one of these Maldini shills. I think it's all bad business. So I think I think Maldini's good up to a point where you know. You know, there's more examples of him doing decent business where it's like, okay, we're letting these players die out in their contract terms. What he's not doing right, I think, is like, okay, we depreciate the value to a point where we can get it to. Like that, I think he's kind of over. He's over. He's being over patient with or over difficult with the players to extend them. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Maldini is incredible at selling the badge, right? If if Maldini comes to your club. And says, I want you to play for Milan, where I played and became a legend. You can't turn that Well, down. I was just about to comment on that. I think he oversells it a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I think if you go up to a guy who's larger than life right now, like Donnarumma, and you're like, oh, the badge. You've worn it since you're 16. It's like, okay. Yeah. But I could go play anywhere. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. does, I think the first person he brought in was Theo, right? Like... Theo was sold on the whole Maldini image, right? Like the problem. Also, is, yeah, also, Theo was coming from Real Madrid, yeah. So there's a little bit Maldini of a different also, our team. I think I think Mike, I think Maldini also sold Tormari on the on the thing. Like he was he was a Chelsea baby, right? And those yeah. guys can go anywhere, right? They can play any. I think he was also being linked to Bayern at some point. Tomori. Tomori was, yeah. So the idea is is that I think Maldini getting players in could be very good. I don't know how involved he is, but I think he's pretty involved. In terms of the actual business standpoint, the financial standpoint, I think th- there's a lot of growing pains there and that's shown by the contracts that are going well, to be expiring. So, um he's kind of like the only guy, he doesn't have like a right-hand man, right? He like Masada, the guy who came over from Roma, Masada. I'm not sure honestly in all of the reports that you see it's just about Maldini. Yeah, so so that's why I'm asking because I'm I'm trying to make a comp- I know skill level and actual proven track record is different but I'm trying to compare him to what Marotta has where Marotta has like that right-hand man that's he's like He's got to see you. That's what I'm saying. He's got that right, that right-hand guy who's like not as talented but very close in terms of like understanding that as well. So I think he has so back under the old regime with Roma they had um oh my god, Monchi Monchi Ed Monchi, the the guy who like left, like who like pillaged Roma and left, yeah. right? Genius at Sevilla, though. Yeah, genius at Sevilla. He had there was apparently this like dark like figure named Paolo Baldini or something, and there was also <laughs> Messada. There's also Messada. Messada after after. Do you know first and last names by the way, or just last? Messada is the last name. I'm saying, but for for followers that want, they, they can find it up. You just look up. There's pictures like when you see Maldini up in the booth, is the guy next to him. Okay, so okay. that's it. But the the idea is, Masada was not chosen to be the new sporting director at Roma once Monchi left. They went with Pinto, and when Pinto got hired, Masada left, and that's when he joined Milan. Okay, so those are the two that are in connection. I don't know which one is in charge of like talent. I I think Masada's more of the old Paratici role, which he where he, where he's like the scout. Paratici should be the sporting director, and Maldini's the guy who Juve. goes and gets him. Yeah. I think that's I think that's how it goes. I think okay. that's how it typically works. Yeah. Um and I think they have um Antobello as the CEO or, or yeah. I, I forgot his name. Well, uh, real quick, the last point I'll make on this before like I'm happy to move on is that 
it's it's all fun and games to talk about it right now in October. Like, let these guys walk. Show them show them that you have balls, Maldini. Because that's that's really what the banter is on on Twitter right now. Yeah, it's like it's fun to do that. And what happens if we let them walk and then we don't make Champions League and then you don't have any of the income? You didn't sell any of the players. You're not getting the Champions League money. You look like an idiot. It's true. No, that's fair. Um, so, Paratici, and that's where I want to go next. We're going to go with Juve, and then we're going to go with the league as a whole. What the hell is going on with Juve? Look at the standings right now. They're only two points back. Of no, I know. Well, I know. But what I'm saying is we had an abysmal start to season. Now, they're pulling out results. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't think they deserved to win. The Roma game, I don't think to lose. I don't. I'm not saying that they deserve to lose, but I'd say I, Roma. I think got robbed with that penalty call. I think it should not have been a penalty call. And they played advantage. Disagree. Mike has a di- has a disagreeing Big time view because Mike said the uh, again. Correct if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was a Mkhitaryan handball leading yes. up to the play. So so it shouldn't have been a penalty against Juve, but it's a, it's a moot point anyway because the great Chesney saved it. I don't know. Stop. Stop. Look, Juve's Juve's in a weird position right now, and this is what happens when you tie up 35% of your team's budget in one player, even more than that. And that player is... And you're seeing why, like... I mean, Ronaldo was just a bad decision. But I I, I think, you know, you're looking at the standings, and they're they're not far back from Roma right now. It's a big six-point swing. It was an important match, and I think they did deserve to win. I think that it's just a classic Allegri game, and I think that this team is starting to play Allegri football, and I think don't sleep on this team. I, I think that their midfield's a meme, but don't sleep on them. They, they're beginning, they're a less talented version of that. I'm worried that this is going to end up being like, um, what was the year that they chased Roma down? I forget the year, but I know what you're talking. About. Oh man! So I think it was I think it was Spalletti's Roma. Actually, it was like these are all like signs 20, here. 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, I think they chased down Spalletti's it was, it Roma. Was, it was like it was like the no the, Garcia's Roma. Was it after Conte, or was it like the last year of Conte? I think it was during Conte. So it might have been the last year. I of think Conte. they still had Vucinic. Oh God! Um, so I have an interesting thought on Juve. I think Juve in a very particular peculiar spot in the fact that they're in a transition period but they're like don't know how to transition correctly yes i think that's kind of what's going on like they have a lot of fat on the team with big a lot of aging players but i feel like there's an easy way to kind of start the transition but they're just kind of avoiding it with the midfield and i think that they just don't know where to go as it's like okay do we go this route first or a route maybe fixing the defense like the forward line is fine i think for for the future like they have two really good three really good forwards and moise keen kiesa and kulusevsky well i think that they're gonna go after vlaovic really hard and i think that would with what what with what money though because everyone in Italy well, apparently is so purse strong. So. I, I don't know. You might get one of these shady deals where Fiorentina <laughs> decides it's a 17-year loan paying <laughs> half a million dollars a year, and then they have Fabrota going the other way valued at 50. So, I mean, they'll find a way to do it if they really want it. I think that Juve's big problem, there are a couple of things. Every time they get a young player, they just don't play them, and then they're just bad. I mean, look at Delict. They did the same thing to Bernardeschi before that. Um they and I think that having that defensive line of you know Bartali, Bonucci, Chiellini at one point later, obviously Bartali is gone, almost hurts them because Delix never playing, and 
At this point, Chiellini's good for, what, 20 games a year, maybe? And, Are and ca- If he's in the national team, probably even well, less. It's almost like he's playing for Juve to stay fit for the nas- national team at exactly. this point. Which, which makes sense. But he, he knows they're not going to win the Champions League. He it's, has it, nothing else to win with Juve. They literally, no. He literally said on, on the first or second game of the season, he says, this isn't a team that can win. Him and Allegri, they were, they were no, reported in, yeah, That's what he said. It was in Correa de la Sport? It was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it was everywhere. But the point is, is it's it hurt the development of Delict, and now that just looks like a terrible move. At the time, it looked really like Juve was a real power broker in world soccer, and now it's like Delict was a bona fide superstar going into that, and now he can't. He can't play a strong 90 minutes. Yeah, and, and that kind of... Galano brought... And side conversation is not on this pod. He brought up a good point where... And I'm going to ask him to speak on this after I make the point that Juve are kind of are in a weird spot where their defense really isn't what it used to be in terms of being like very well-structured. And you can look at it across the back line. The only one that you can say can become a solid part of that is Delict. Because you look at that team... Alexandra's not getting any younger. Cuadrado isn't a consistent right back. They they have Danilo, who no one really knows what his best position is. I think Danilo actually had a really strong year last year. Well, so uh, to comment on that, he had it under Pilo because a lot of what Pilo did was a three-back system. He would put Danilo as the right of the three center backs with Benucci in the middle and then a mixture of Delict and Chiellini out left. So I think the system kind Fair of benefited enough. him. I, I, I think I think that it, there are structural problems at Juve, though. I think like what happened with Romero is exactly what's wrong with Juve, right? Like this is a guy who's very obviously a good center back. He, he went defend. He went defender of the season, right? And then he got sold for a ton of money, fifty to million go to the pounds. EPL. I think. And I mean, it's you feel like it's going to happen as well with Demiral. Like it's the same exact scenario. He's at Atalanta, and I know we'll see what happens with that. I think the the bigger structural issue at Juve is obviously their midfield and the fact that they don't want to pay for anyone. They pay the first guy that they paid for is Locatelli, and he looks really great. Yeah, but other than that, you have Artur who. Aside from being an overrated player, hasn't touched the pitch. I think he's made one appearance in two seasons. I think he's been he. I think he saw the pitch this weekend. Uh, we I, don't even know what he, we don't even know what he looks like anymore. I mean, he was I guess supposed to come in and play the Pjanic role, and then that never really happened. And then I mean, Ramsey has been maybe the worst, maybe the worst contract. <laughs> Of all time, that is just hilarious. The scary part is when he's on the pitch, he's worth every penny. When he, you but think he's so? just never there. I think he's great when he he's has, on. He has his moments where he's like really good, and he's really good with connecting play with DiBala and Chiesa. And then he just, but he, this is the, honestly, I, I was, I was mad when Arsenal didn't extend because it was like the one year he actually played consistently in the EPL and actually did well. And then he left to Juve, and I was like, oh. Okay, and then now with well, the, they're paying it, him King's they're, they're, ransom. Yeah, yeah the, the crazy part is you'll see Ramsey play. You'll see Ramsey play, the game will finish, and then for some reason you won't see him for a month and a half. He's always injured. Yeah, yeah. he's always injured, but he doesn't get injured on the field. Do it. It's just something happens off the field. And also McKinney, I feel like the, oh. the magic of McKinney has kind of faded. So, I mean, McKinney's the story of every midfielder. He scored. It's the same th- sort of thing that happened with Locatelli when he was young and he was on Milan, and he scored that absolute screamer against Juve. Bar down from t- 25 yards yeah, out. Yeah, every, everyone thought that he was going to be this great... Box to box, Vidal scoring midfielder. I am guilty of that. And 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 the same sort of thing happened with McKinney. He really started the season well, and then slowly but surely he started to be just 
ineffective in the midfield. And I think a lot of it is that he's American, and I think that that carries a lot of weight. He's an American at a huge club. But I think if Juve could have sold him this past uh, this past market, they should have. There were a lot of reports coming that like big German teams wanted him, and they really... They really Wait, he was originally that. at uh, Schalke or Wolfsburg. He was one at Schalke, two. and then they were having big financial issues after the pandemic. They, they, got, were, they got relegated for the first time in, I think, like 50-something years. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. I, I think the problem with Juve is like they've had this midfield issue for such a long time. It's been, I think, since... Since they had maybe the best midfield yeah, in the world. What was it, like six, seven years ago? So They've had the midfield as a problem, but here's the thing. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Instead of addressing the midfield... They've, they were like, no, we'll focus on the attack. We'll focus on the attack. We'll focus on the attack. And then the midfield continues to decay. And now we're at a point where the midfield is, I mean, it's a joke. It, this is not a Juve midfielder. This is not, this is not a Juve midfield. They have one player in that whole team that's a, that's a Juve midfielder. And he, I don't think he can be the number one guy in that midfield. You're referring to Locatelli. Obviously, Locatelli. Okay, just for the viewers. But now you have, you, so you have one out of three midfielders that are decent, okay? And now you have a, a defense that is on the decline and a keeper who's on decline. So, no, he's on this, decline. He's always bad. This, this, is, this is all coupled with the idea that, like, Juve has no money, right? I'm skeptical of those reports. They have, they have Excelsior. Even if they had no money, right? They're Juve. Agnelli can pump as much money as that, that guy that's, wants. That's what I'm saying. So and this they're is Juve. So this is, ex- like, they have Excelsior who could always dump in more money whenever they want, right? They have, they have one thing in Italy that no other club has, right? They have an owner who's incredibly wealthy, who's Italian and loves the club, right? That's that's a huge benefit to Juve. And with with FFP it was it was nothing back then, it's absolutely nothing now. So they have that benefit. This this they're in, they're in need of a complete revamp, mm-hmm. right? They from the midfield downward, they need a complete revamp. Not to mention you're going to have massive contracts that you need to you have delict on a massive contract. You have Dybala. They're about to give him a massive contract, right? Sachesny is on a massive contract, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Not to mention you have a massive amortized value with... Um, we just mentioned him. Always hurt. Ramsey. No. Ram- oh, my God. Well, Ramsey. And, our, and Artur. Artur, well, Artur based on the transfer. books. Yeah, yeah it was who a would swamp. Take, who would take these guys, right? Who would want them? Nobody wants them. Our men's league team that goes on in Long Island City would yeah, take them. If, if Juve pays the entire contract, but why would Juve ever enter something like that? We could talk to him. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, another thing about Juve that's just crazy is what are they doing with Kulusevsky? That's a guy that's, who that's the waste. looked incredible. That's such a big waste. And now, now it's just kind of like some guy who comes onto the pitch and looks like an idiot. Yeah. He's just fast. He's such such a waste. And I don't I don't think it's him. And I think that I think that if they go for Vlaovic, that's gonna be a make weight in the deal. And I think Glu will look really good at Fiore. But I, I mean they're they're ruining that guy's career. Yeah. Here's a here's the thing with Juve. They I'm gonna briefly talk about Agnelli. The one thing I love about Agnelli, he he would die on a sword for his club, right? The, you can't say that about a lot of He's owners. He's still appealing the Catropoli ruling. Sure, and like that's that's great. I wish I wish I had that at my club. I don't think Suning is like that. I'm sure. Uh, we, I'm we, sure well, Elliot's not like that. It's not like that. If the rumors are true, you guys might get the uh, Saudi sure, and, but, investment but fund. Besides that, like a lot now, football has turned into a money making machine. It's all about profit. De Laurentiis, let's be honest. Doesn't really care for Napoli. Swap man. It's it's a it's it's a way to make money and to shoot. I mean, his he movies. grows his brand too. He grows his brand, right? Like 
his daughter, I think, was in charge of running the shirts this year. So this isn't Capo. They're not Capo anymore. I uh, know the the, the Armani, 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 Armani seven. So yep. what I'm trying to say is that's great for Agnelli. Where he's completely led this club astray is who he's hired for management. Uh, letting Beppe go and keeping Paratici, who is no longer there. Pavel Nedved. You're talking about Agnelli. Pavel Nedved is incompetent. He's a great player. Pavel Nedved is a, an incredible player. Horrific, horrific represent, representative of the club and as a, as a management, from a management perspective. And so who's currently running the club? That's the biggest question. Who's running the club now? Yeah, but where do they go to do they, like how everyone? Do- everyone always said that they should go after Carnevale, who is the current guy at Sassuolo, right? Carnevale has Juve ties, makes a lot of sense, right? That's why they're they're able to get him to give them Locatelli at like a discount price for Exa- three years later, and exactly. Stuff like that. And the other thing is now apparently, now apparently Agnelli's cousin or brother, who who's really the owner of Fiat, now. Brought in another guy to help be the CEO of Juve, who helped run the the Ferrari the Ferrari uh, team. Um, oh, Formula. he was the he was the team principal. Yeah, he uh, was. The, so Arriva Bene. Yes, exactly, Arriva Bene. So good arrival. Who? Who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how. That's the translation. So when you hire someone like that, I think it's more to manage like financials and. And stuff like that. Well, making so, a car is a lot different than and, making a so, soccer team. So what they were saying, what. I, f- I forget where I heard this. Um, I got to find this source, but I think it was on actually another podcast. And they were saying that the Agnelli family is, they're not, they're, they're two sides of the same coin where on Andrea Agnelli, who is the, the team owner in charge of the team, essentially, he just has a blind passion for the club, as you said, where the other side is the side that's in charge of Fiat. And they're like, no, we need to monitor how it's much Johnny we- Boy Elkin. Yes. yes, the Elkin, the Elk, the Elkin family. So, they're like limiting the financial support they they give Andrea because if they gave all the money to Andrea, they're like, okay, just do what you want, type of thing. I think that there's a lot though there. I think that like the Agnelli owning you as a cultural thing, and I think especially as you're seeing like some of the money flood into, I mean, back when it originally flooded in, I think that they will do whatever they can to keep power in Serie. A. Yeah. Um, real quick on Juve, I think going back to the midfield discussion, I think Urabio, he's not great, right? He's not great, but I think that he's a serviceable enough guy that if they had Locatelli, if they had Rabio, and if they had one other guy, it'd have to be a world-class guy. I'm talking like a Jorginho-level player. I think that that's, that's a real midfield that can compete with some good teams, but he's he's maybe someone who should sit on the bench at a team like Juve, but he's again... Came over on a free transfer from PSG, and he's making too much money for the level of player that he is. And his mom is his agent. His mom is his agent and has a lot to say about soccer. Yeah. So my my big issue with this whole U.S. situation, and even kind of like soccer clubs in general at times, they're like usually you don't want to listen to news outlets when they say like, oh, your team sucks or whatever, but it's like, Juve's problem has been documented for so many years, and I think just at this point it's an ignorance on them where it's like, why don't you even take a like a look at to see what they're saying. Parazici was incompetent. I thought that when he was rumored to go to Bayern as their sporting director was hilarious to say the least. But I just think that it's one of those things where it's like the club had the problem presented to them so early on. You know what I think it is, honestly? Yeah. They signed Pirlo on a free transfer and it went so well that they were like, we got to keep doing this. And they've kept doing it. And now they've put themselves in a place where they're really in jeopardy of becoming a mediocre Italian team. I, I think also like 
when you sign when they signed Ronaldo, it was like the only way we can build a team with that massive contract on our books is with free transfers. Yeah, they that's couldn't true. they couldn't pay well, a transfer they, fee yeah, with well, that. What massive. was ridiculous is that they paid they paid a hundred million dollars for Ronaldo. That was the fee. I think that that's they not just the hardest calculated where they were in their cycle. I think yeah. that they thought that they were a Ronaldo away from a dynasty. Yeah. Well, that the, that was the thought, right? It was like, okay, we bring in a guy who's won the most Champions Leagues in the common era by like uh, like individually. Let's bring him in, not change any of the pieces around him. It's like, oh, we have a coach who just got us to a final. It was just, I, I don't understand it. I, Did you guys uh, get the chance to watch the Calciopoli thing that's on Netflix yet? There's a cut. Wait, there's oh, a Calciopoli thing? Yeah, yeah. They do like an hour like, episode. Okay, now we're get sponsored by Netflix. Tag <laughs> it. It's basically Gab Marcotti, and I think it's, what's her name? Nina, Nina something. Um, Mizuki. Yeah, Mizu- I think it's her. Um, talking about just going over what Calciopoli was and the, like the police officers that led the investigation. It's pretty interesting. Um, obviously, they have everyone's favorite guy, Mojian, and he says he didn't do it. So wait, you guys, so you wait, they, they got they got Mojian. <laughs> they got big loot. Oh, wow. It's not wait, that hard. No, but did did they get? It's not that hard. Do they? <laughs> do they? He'll be on this did show. They, did they get all yeah, three? Yeah. Wait, did they get Moji and his two like just subordinates? Oh. No, you just gotta say Moji three times in a mirror and he pops up. You know what? Does someone have a mirror? Do we have a big enough the one, mirror? The one thing I'll say, if anyone's interested in watching it, is that they only talk about Juve. And it's a shame because just at the end, they're like, oh, so Milan and Lazio got docked points. And it's like, well, it's kind of a big part of the story that like everybody. In well, Italy Mike, who, who didn't get docked points and who led the investigation? I don't want to get into the politics. <laughs> For those interested, it, there's, 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 a, there's a conspiracy theory that. It's in a there, pure conspiracy theory, no facts behind it whatsoever. I mean, there, there, there's actual, you know, there, there are phone calls. <laughs> this is why we have the I, podcast. I, what I'm saying is that there are phone calls that clearly show <laughs> that these sporting directors are fixed, like not fixing matches necessarily. And I think that that's like a lot of where like Juve shills will like get bogged down. They're like, oh, we didn't say scores or anything. It's like you, you picked referees and you said give out yellow cards. Yeah, that, so, that, that's enough. So the, Us, using burner phones, that's enough. Yeah, for yeah, the emoji trapping a referee in a, in a match in Siena. Oh, that never happened. Yeah. Oh, and saying that he would like break his legs yeah, like that, right? right? No, it was after the, like, it was, uh, it was Regina, it was my boys. Um, Calabria. They had just Calabria lost proud. 2-1 in uh, Reggio. Calabria. Yeah. And uh, it was an offsides call on the end of the at the end of the game on a Juve goal that would have equalized. And Mudgy's like, I like he's on the phone after the game. And he's like, I, I locked him in there. You know, I didn't let him out. But apparently, they had the referee testify in court. And he's like, uh, I wasn't locked in there. Oh yeah, because you know, <laughs> testifying. In Italy. That that scene is that scene is in it, and and uh, it's hilarious because the lawyer. I mean, first of all, in Italy, it's like. You have to have like the whole get up with uh, as a lawyer. You have like the wig on and like the oh I don't my know what it's called. But, like, it's like a robe, right? Yeah, you have like a robe and like the white like kind of like collar thing coming out. And he's like screaming. He's like, "We're gonna send him to j- jail for jokes now. This is ridiculous." <laughs> <laughs> so really quickly for those that don't know what the Caltropoli scandal is, it was a thing. Two thousand five to two thousand seven was the time period of when they did this investigation, where they're looking to Juve into possibly match fixing, but not in the way that you would think, where they were essentially use their influence on careers for referees to make them have more favorable decisions against Juve in certain games. Well, and, and, uh, also, well, and also not necessarily home. decisions. It was a lot of what it was based on is that they picked what refs they wanted exactly. to. Exactly, that's, that, that's what it was going to lead to. Sorry, that's why. That's and what like, it, you know, the thing is, is it happened because uh is picking all 10 games in Serie A and he's getting them completely right. So either he should have been playing Lotto every week or... 
you know, you and, fix and it. Italy had Italy had at that time the number one referee in the world, and the bald guy. What the hell is his name? The psychopath. I can't think of his name. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, though. I, no, I don't. I do not either. But yeah. but the so two things that are the most interesting about Cacciopoli, just really quickly. One, I think from the U.S. is an interesting concept because we don't have we have a lot of protections against wiretapping. In Italy, they don't. Oh, no. There's no protection. The government can wiretap you yeah. whenever you want. So they, they got all of his phones. They got it was crazy. Everything. And they didn't they didn't even have to limit it. No, nothing. They got no no uh no requirements, oh. no bar to fit. But the other thing is, um Oh my goodness. Oh, um, and I think Marcotti brought this up in one of his podcasts that even Agnelli was always a little taken aback by Moji. I don't think there's a single picture with Agnelli and Moji together. Yeah, that's a conspiracy theory. There's like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. There's not a single picture that's been printed that have them two together. I've never checked that theory, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the avocado would knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. right? Moji seems like a shady figure that you know worked in the in the alleyways. Okay. All righty. Sorry, just, go ahead. The last thing, it's just you look at those Juve teams and it's like, why are you fixing matches? Exactly. <laughs> why are they guys? Yeah, the, those Juve teams historically were. You had a you had Nevin, who's a Ballon d'Or winner at one point in that team. Like, Let's talk about Roma. How yeah, so I was that? so I was going to transition to more of like a, a league thing, and you know, as of right now, who do you guys see as kind of possibly disturbing the balance of power amongst Juve, Milan, and Inter that are currently playing right now? Mike brought up Roma, and I think Roma's a good... Okay, I think a a lot of things are going well for Roma right now. I think Mourinho, which was kind of like a laughable hire at the beginning of the season, looks really great. I think that Pellegrini looks to be an incredible player. I really personally like the midfield of Vertu and Cristante. And obviously, Tammy Abraham's been a great addition, but he's going to be gone in two years anyway, so what does that matter? Uh, do I think that they can get enough points to upset that? Maybe not. I, that's another team that struggles with depth, especially at the wing back positions. I, I can't even name you who their backups are. I think. Well, they have Spina that's on the, that's coming back from the Achilles tear that happened in the Euros. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I, like, it's like months away though. Vigna, it's Vigna, Spinazzola, in the Karsdorp, who's terrible. Calafiore is a winger, not a. No, he's a wing back. He's a wing back, yeah, Oh, California. Well, uh, I mean, also, don't forget Zaniolo, who, if he finds his form again, is one of the legitimately believed as one of the best players in Italy. Agreed. Agreed. But it's like a sense back. He's just mentally like. Well, the man had two. He's in the the tablet. Yeah, he had had two ACL tears in a year. Yeah. A year, like a year and a half, something like that. that. Yeah. And it's the same leg, too, right? He. Oh, I don't know. No, I think he tore it in each leg. Okay. So. You know, when you think about it, he might be safer from that injury in both knees. But I really thought at the beginning of the year that Lazio would be better than they are, and maybe they haven't taken they, it to the Sarismo. They are what well, remind me of the Spalletti era in there of just Pazza. You don't know what Lazio you're going to get. They're a team learning a new system. What do you? I mean, I, let's put it this way: I think there's a there's a real chance that they catch on to Saudi ball in February. And then if they do, watch out because on paper that team with that strategy can be deadly. A couple injuries to that team though, I think it shoots them in the foot. That's where it shoots. So, exactly, so I don't even think like I think they're they're weak at the back. I don't think so. I mean, you have a Chad and Luis. Yeah. Felipe I think Luis. That's mm-hmm. solid enough and I what think about the like, wingbacks though. 
Hizaj and um, you, you tell you tell him and you trust Hizaj is a Saudi boy. Like that's, yeah, that's an he's a Saudi boy, but he plays like a boy. He, he's I don't like his side at but that's, all. But it works. Yeah, but that's what it works. You don't need. You don't have to be excellent in every position, especially when you have an actual strategy. Their their weakest point is up top. No, no, it's not up top. I think is it's probably their defense. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say goalie, but then I remembered Pepe Reina's back there, so I'm obviously. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely their goalie. I'm not gonna lie; he has looked a little chubby, but th- he still has <laughs> reflexes of a god. I don't know how he does it. I just, but sorry, continue. No, but uh, to 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 Mike's point, yeah, I'm a little disappointed because that team is so talented that they've taken so long. But then I watched the game against Inter, and I'm just like, okay, first half, Inter looked good, and second half, Lazio looked they were they were flying, they were all over the place. Yeah. So and they're pressing, they're playing attacking, they're playing attractive football. Like I'm excited to watch Lazio. I, I think they're a fun team. Mm-hmm. I love Sari, so I hope they do well. I think he gets a lot of unnecessary hate. I think I think I so think, too. The, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Go for no, it. No, I just think the Chelsea move screwed him. Like that. You know what, man? I I don't think England was ready for that. I I I just think that like no one in England wants to watch that, and it's also hilarious that for the past two two years after that's happening every Jorginho's no good he's no good what does he do he only passes the ball back now he's he's gonna win the ball on door he he won the Champions League and he won the Euros and he won the UEFA player I think he I think he could I think he should it's gonna be messy but but what I'm saying is uh, you know obviously the point that I'm making is he he went you know England wasn't ready for it people like he brought his boy there. They were playing their style of football. They were they were pretty good. They, they qualified Champions ousted. League. Yeah. And he won the Europa League that year. Like people forget that he didn't have that bad of a season. Like he didn't finish like seven. And like Conte did his second season. He got his ass kicked out too at Juve and he was winning. But that yeah, was he Ronaldo. won the scudetto. Yeah, he won the scudetto. <laughs> that was Ronaldo. And and Ronaldo, what's it called? Ronaldo won the yeah. Capo Cananieri. The thing is we no, all knew we he? all knew that like Ronaldo and Sadi were not gonna get along. Like that was yeah. That that's shame on Juve for even thinking that. Like you can't bring in Saudi and keep Ronaldo. I think Juve it. should have gone for Zidane at, at one point Agreed. in those years. That, that's probably yeah. The best. Now he's looking like to go to uh, Manu, Zidane. But Atalanta, I like them. Yeah. I think that this is a team that's going to catch fire. They've had some bad looks, but uh, you, you, the thing that I think about uh, this is not a team that's winning the Scudetto. They're just no. they're too far off. They don't, I don't they're not they, I, I don't think they're qualified for Champions League. If they don't qualify for Champions League, it might be the end of this like miracle I, I th- cycle. I honestly think this season their magic is gone. I think I think this is it. I don't, I they have some assets though. By by it being gone, I mean I, I mean like you know sixth, maybe fifth. I think the magic is gone. The thing is like that team that team is built to to sustain even missing out on the Champions League for the next two to three years. Like you look at that wage bill, it's so low. Like yeah, even but, even if they make Europa League, I think they cover all yeah, their but what, salaries. Yeah, but yeah, but what have they done to like improve the squad? They, I think they like, did a lot. I think that they had maybe the second best. I I because I I'm partial to Fiorentina having the best transfer market, but I think that they plugged a lot of their holes. Agreed. They got deeper. I think that that's really all they needed to do they, too. They sold high too. Romero, they sold no, real agreed. high. Well, they well that they're was you. That, that was you. They're sitting on a pot. Yeah, they have guy. a war chest. They have a war chest. Yeah, no, but, they they sold Romero. That money went to Atalanta. No, Romero was owned by Juve. No, Atalanta bought him yeah, out right the year right. before. Oh, that money I went. That money went purely to Atalanta. So Atalanta sold him. They sold Golini for twenty-one million, which is a joke. Who's, a, is who's a, a joke? And you know where he went? Tottenham Spurs. Baby. His best gift is rapping. Rapping. Yeah, he and is. Musa's a good goalie. Musa's the best He's, goalie in Serie A. I'll say it. I'll say it. I don't know. I, I'm. I. I, I think Manyan has surprised Cranio. I think Manyan has surprised me, but I'd say Musa's right nah, there. Nah, dude, Musa. it's Chesney. Easy. Yeah. 
I won't hang myself. No, it's just Atalanta. I I think you look at that roster. Like, yeah, they lose Gosens, which they are. That that to me is the biggest loss that they have. They've lost him for two months. They're losing him for two months. I think he's injured. I I don't know for how long, but he's out for a while. Um, Gosens is out, but they're they're built to last. And that that Primavera, they're a system team too. They're a system exactly. So. The coach is kind of an ass. I know. Though. I've heard people. Oh, yeah. I, I hate Gasparin. He, he tried it. Like everyone hates yeah, Gasparin. Me and Gasparini in a room wouldn't last very long. But Gasparini, like everyone wants to say, oh, they should have kept a Papu Gomez, hired a different coach. I'm like, I don't think so. Because Papu Gomez is going to last you two more years. And also when you Gasparini think about it. has a whole when, system When you think up. about it from a positional standpoint. Atalanta, I think, finished better without Papu than with when with well, yeah, Papu. Yeah, they're a different team, right? Well, yeah, and I think I think it also opened up a little bit more space for Muriel, yes. who had a crazy season under the radar. Yep. No one talks about it, but he had a really phenomenal season, both on assist angles, and he's a great player. I think Duvan also is benefiting from it. He's, I mean, just a beast. There's nothing that you can say about that guy. He's so strong. Yeah, I think I think this team is. Built to last. That's what that's what it is. They're built for Europa League contention for the next four or five years. Like they're not doing what Udinese did, right? Udinese had talent, sold it away, invested very poorly. Yeah, right. Like let's be honest, we're talking about Atalanta having a bad year, and we're saying they'll barely miss Champions League. Those Udinese days. Yeah. Those Udinese those, days when those you had like some great days. Exactly. Total Di Natale. Yeah, exactly. So Isla and Sanchez. Original Pereira. Yeah. yeah. Sanchez. Yeah. A lot of good players came through that academy. But I think a lot of it is that the family that owns Udinese was also trying to fund. Uh, Watford. They own Watford. They, right? they, yeah. they still own Watford. They were trying to fund them becoming the next English super team. And that yeah. <laughs> isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. One, one team, and Mike brought it up uh, earlier, that I'm, I think is kind of taking the Atalanta magic away from them is Fiore. I I love their coach. I love Italiano. I think he might be, depending if Fiore finish in fourth or fifth, and it's close between fourth and fifth places, I think he can win coach of the year for Serie A. Here's the difference between Fiorentina and Atalanta. Fiorentina hasn't proven diddly yet, right? They've, they've, they've done eight weeks mm-hmm. and they look good. Sure, they look great. It's the first time they have a manager since Comiso's been the owner, mm-hmm. right? The other difference is Comiso's already a billionaire, right? The The owners of Atalanta are not Comiso well. Like, Comiso could dump money into the club if he really wanted to. The The thing is, is that they need to prove it over many years to, to get to the level of Atalanta. So They many, don't have the structure there yet. They don't so, have the youth system. They don't have anything there. Right now, they have the ability to go out and have talent, and they have Vlaovic. So how many how many years until you think they can get that Atalanta? They need level? at least three years. Before three years, wow. Okay. This year and two more. I think that the best thing that they can do right now is just stabilize in Serie A. I think like, you you forget about it because like they are part of the Sete Sorelle. It's like, they were on the cusp of getting relegated the last couple of years, and yeah. they weren't great. They've had a good transfer market. I think Nico Gonzalez and Torreira is one of those moves that I'm like, how did nobody else Arsenal play great that up? played five games. I loved him as a player at, at uh, Sus- um, Atalanta. No, oh, no, that's Sam. Sorry. But I think, I mean, that's all true with Comiso. I think he also has aspirations to actually take it seriously. This is a dude who's running a multi-billion dollar company in New York that's and in Joe, Florence every week his watching sport, his, his sporting director is Joe Barone, right? Went to high school with our dad. Yeah. He, uh, he's taking it seriously and you love to see that because I think Serie A needs it. 
you ask yourself where they're going to go after Vlaovic. Because Vlaovic is one of these dudes who can play any style of soccer. Yeah. I think that that's what really separates him from like Osiman, is that he's more technically gifted. Yes. It's going to be a loss that, you know, you you don't replace that. You're not going to find a guy who's going to be that good as a team like Fiorentina. Well, I feel like you can, in those situations, whatever you sell him for, I think you can kind of try to build by committee with those goals. So I think that's kind of what, I mean, they're in a similar situation with Lukaku where it's like that presence is going to be more done by committee than one player. So I think that if they do sell Vlavic, they can probably bring in two to three, depending on how much they sell him for. And then they bring in a rotation where if Vlavic gives you, I think he gave him 21 goals last year, 20 goals or... I don't even. I don't, he 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 was he was high double digits. I know he was high teens at minimum. No, he was in the twenties. I just don't remember where he ended. Yeah. So if you get three guys that get you that goal output, you know, I th- without spending too much on one particular one of them, I think you're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. I also like the winger that they got from Frankfurt, Rodriguez. No, Nico. Nico, what's his Gonzalez? Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Nico Gonzalez. You say Rodriguez? Rodriguez. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. I meant Gonzalez. He's uh, he's really good. My only issue with him. He's got really bad temper and he's really stupid because I think he forgets. How, I think he <laughs> I don't forgets know about that. He I, got is a player that gets caught up in the moment. It happens all the time. No, but I think he forgets how spiteful Italian refs are. Sure, I mean, yeah. That I, I that's just me being excited. But I do like the way he plays. I like Amrabat a lot. He's yeah. Amrabat that Hellas was really good, and I think he's kind of transitioned that form at Fiore. And I think like I think again the the coach is putting in a good system where it's like it's very fluid. But the only issue with them, and I saw that when they were playing Inter. They went up one nothing, but they burnt out, and I think that's just from a rotation perspective. Yeah, um, do you guys have a player comp for uh, Vlaovic? Do you guys do you know what he reminds you of by any chance? Um, I think he reminds me of a young Lukaku, like because right now he's more deadly facing goal than when his back to goal, and but he's got the size, he's got the pace, you know, he could take a player on. See, I I think I think he's a little more. Technically, he's a bit more technical. Yeah, than I think he's. T- I, I think Osiman reminds him more of like an old Lukaku. I was talking about Lukaku in Chelsea. No, so someone someone mentioned that Osiman reminds them of a younger Cavani, and I think that's oh, spot that's on. spot on. Spot, yes. spot on. Okay, that's fair. Osiman can't finish one on one. It's the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> but he does everything perfectly. Yeah. But to to stay on Fiorentina for Vlavic, which, which Lukaku though? West Brom, Everton, no, or Chelsea, for, like like so uh, so Everton. What, I'm sorry, Everton. So Everton, Everton, okay, Lukaku. okay. That makes a little more sense. One thing that scares me about Fiore, and I, and I know that we're talking about how Comiso has all of these aspirations and stuff. I think it's Odrio Thola. When they brought him in, he was like, "It's a player that we could sell on later." <laughs> and and like you don't love wasn't, wasn't it alone that. though? Isn't it alone? I I I'm not, I'm not remembering exactly. I, I which could look player. it up. Sorry, I thought I it was Odrio Thola, but I'll, I might be wrong. But he up. said it about one of the new players, and it may have been Torreira, maybe. But he was like. Is a player who could be could maximize value for and later sell him on. It's like, why are you saying that? Exactly. You know, like even if you believe that, keep that private. But he's also a guy who likes to go to the media. I, that's obvious because he's talking about Vlaovic and how he's requested the transfer and all of it. Or I guess just won't renew. That's one thing that scares me. They also have Milankovic, who everybody wants, and he's a great center back. I mean, I think it's a little bit too much, but. I think that they're a good team. They're set up for the future. If they can keep Italiano in the long run, 
this is a team that can run a good system. I think getting rid of Gattuso for you know after the three days that he was there was a smart move by them. Blessing in disguise. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think Gattuso does as much with this team, and I know we're only eight games in, but Italiano. I mean, he kept a really bad Spezia team up. He's he's a good manager. Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. It's just a loan for Real Madrid. Okay, so then I was wrong yeah. on which player, but he did say on Adriozola. Adriozola. Um, I liked Adriozola. I thought that was an interesting pickup. Um, I think the wing backs are there's definitely not a weak spot for them. Adriozola just was is is a kind of like a Theo Hernandez, not style or skill. Just saying, he was a decent right back that went to Real Madrid, didn't get burned at all. So now he's trying to look places elsewhere, and he's actually pretty skillful on the ball for a right back. I like him a lot. Him and Baragi. You know, Baragi, you may have your... Galano may have some bitterness when he was at, at, at Inter first I season. I thought he was fine. But I think, you know, instead, yeah, that's a that's a very good wing-back pairing. Yeah. And, and Baragi looks older than he is, right? I think he's only like 25, 26. He looks like he's like 30. Yeah. I think and Aldo is only 22 from what yeah. I did. I think Fiorentina could, could be good. I mean, we, we're eight weeks in. Yes. I think they just had a bad loss, actually. They lose though. They the, just lost. Fiorello just lost to Venezia. That's a bad loss. Yes, it's a very bad loss in Venezia. Yeah, in Venezia, it's a, that's a really bad loss, especially if you have aspirations for Europa League. Yeah, like that's a that's a bad. Especially loss. this year when it's really tight amongst yeah. the Venezia top is eight. not a good team. You know who's doing really well right now? That's really flying under the radar. And is really Pazza, which is for those that don't speak Italian, just really crazy, and you really don't know Bologna. Bologna. I don't. I don't <laughs> buy any of the Bologna. I, say, I don't, I don't, I don't, buy, I don't buy it either. I'm not saying I buy it, but I'm saying like right now they're. I'm looking at the table. Mihalovic is the I was most gonna, overrated coach. He's, he's Agreed. a cool he's guy. Agreed. He, it's amazing that he beat cancer. Yeah, he's that's not a great. Good coach. He he's also had some very awful political views. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I think he. Yeah, he's a. Let's put it this way. I wish him the best of health. I'm very happy he beat cancer. Great free kick specialist. I don't think he's a city. Actor. I think he's gone midseason. I think that I he's gone. So. Well, what, if they keep this run, what do they do? Like if they somehow stay in like eighth or seventh in those spots. But the thing is that team is built for that. That team is built. That's a good team with good owners. I think they're they're Canadian or US owned. I have no idea. But but they're a good team. Yeah. This team has has just languished in mediocrity since he's been manager. So this team with this team, that Bologna team with Italiano is top seven, top eight. I mean, there are better, there are better coaches. I mean, Mazzari just got hired, but he, him on this team, I think takes is he, is better. more yeah. points. Agreed. Yeah. Maybe. Agreed. Um, so speaking of the table, I want to read um, the top half first. So we got Napoli first, perfect with 24 points. Milan with 22. Inter with 17. Romo with 15. Then it gets pretty insane. Lazio, Atalanta, and Juve all have 14 points. Bologna has 12, Fiora has 12, and Udinese has 9. That rounds up your top 10. I want you guys to pick one team that you think is going to significantly drop from the top 10. Well, I think based on what we just said, Bologna, Bologna probably. Bologna more, I, than, Bologna more than Udinese, though? You know, the thing about Udinese, I, I kind of buy Udinese more as a team that's sustainable points because they're not trying to do anything crazy. They just put 11 players behind the ball and they'll try to beat you in the break. I think they've got... A, I, I mean, they lost a lot of talent. Musa is obviously a big loss. And I think the obvious bigger one is DePaul. I think that they still have a little bit of talent. I, I kind of buy their project a little bit more for whatever reason. I'm gonna say Udinese. Udinese. I don't think I. 
I think the coach is better than um, Halovich. I do, but uh, on paper, I mean that team. That team is like 16th best roster in Serie A. Oh wow! There are a lot of bad teams in Serie A. Yes, maybe that's harsh. 15th to 16th. Okay. In terms of roster. So now, I want to pose a question to both of you. Who do you think is going to get relegated this year? Well, I mean, the obvious one is Salernitana. That yeah. is maybe the worst Did team you, to so, ever play so in Serie A. I root for them. But they're going. So there's a picture going around on Instagram of the coach <laughs> after he got fired. He gets fired. He goes out of the office. He goes back towards home, but he doesn't go directly home. He goes, I think, towards the beach or by a park. Yeah, and there's a picture of him just sulking on a bench, head down, just thinking about life. And he just gets up and walks away. He sits there for about an hour and gets up and walks away. And I'm sitting there like, I'd probably do the same. I'm just like probably crying a little bit because, you know, this guy's from the town. He's from the area. Brought them up. Uh, but he kind of kind of shot the bed when I he mean, came to the I mean, he had the toughest job in Italy yeah. trying he to keep that. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't crap the bed. Like, <laughs> he had nah, the yeah, worst team in City. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think in terms of other teams... Like in the drop zone right now, there's Cagliari. I think Cagliari is too talented. You know, you know, Cagliari is a better team on paper than Udinese. And they just had an injection of a new coach, which always carries. Yeah. You know, you know, Joao Pedro is a second league goal scorer in Serie A right now, and just flying completely under the radar. You know who's their coach? Mazzari. Mazzari. Mazzari is one of those coaches for me that I think he's just always in. The just the air of Serie A. The, the biggest shock to me is where Sampdoria is. Yeah, they're 17th right now. Did you see who's linked to the job? No, I didn't. Pirlo. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I did see that. Pirlo's linked to replace Diversa. Did they, they didn't fire Diversa, right? Not yet. But no, yeah, you see... That team is also too good. So, Galau and I have gone back on who's in 18th right now. It's Genoa. New owners. New owners. American. American, which is always good. But They're I not talented enough to do it. This roster. So rough. I had I had a scathing take when we did a test oh pod for gosh, this. I can't. I couldn't believe it. I'm starting to rethink it, at least from the Genoa perspective, not from the Sassuolo perspective, but from the general perspective. So I had two two hot takes. I had a hot take that Genoa was going to be near mid table, <laughs> which not looking great right now. Looking real bad. But my other take, which is actually playing out right now, is that Sassuolo was going to be four, 15 slash 14th in that range. You said they were going to be below Genoa. Yes. So I, I, I was going to link them, okay? So just stop getting ahead of me. So, yes. The Genoa being above Sassuolo, not looking good right now, unless they go on a miracle run. But Sassuolo being 14th is in line with what I was saying. And they tied Genoa. They didn't even beat Genoa. They tied Genoa. Genoa's terrible. <laughs> I've got I've got nothing positive to say about Genoa. Sassuolo is one of these teams that's like, okay, like, I think Dionis is a good coach. I think that they have talent. I think like Berardi, Scamacca. I think Fratesi is also a very good very player. Good. So good my player. my my issue is Sassuolo, and I don't I, forget John Claude Van Damme, Raspadori. Boga is one of these guys too that like. I was like, say he doesn't look like John Claude Van Damme. He's like fancy <laughs> beat boy, but my my thing is Sassuolo is that. Every year, it's kind of like the same narrative where it's like they always have this great attacking talent or this great like culmination of talent, but I, I, they keep just like not performing up to it. I think this is a year where they kind of perform even lower than where they usually are. I think that that's their game, though. I think that I think that for them, they're like, but they're usually like 10. totally content to stay in that like lower mid table. 
I, I think this is a team that like doesn't have the ambition to be at the top of Serie A. And I think they're also a Juve fucking. Uh, yeah, but I say when you make deals with Juve like they did, they don't deserve to be in contention for anything. They've, they've only made a deal with with one player for Juve technically. They only only look at look at no. There have been a Juve. couple of players There's, over the years that have gone. Uh, who Paul they, Rio, uh, Lirola was one of them. I think Berardi was technically partially owned by both. He was, he was owned by he was Juve, he was. but Juve wa- wanted to bring him back, and he said no. And yeah. he wanted to play but Sassuolo. That's because, but, but that doesn't, you know, go against the fact that Sassuolo is, be- is practically in bed with Juve on, on a lot of things. Here. I yeah. mean, they're in bed with Juve the same way Genoa used to be in bed with Milan and some. And us with Cagliari. Yeah. Inters with Cagliari all the time. Yeah. I, I think that this is a team, though, that, like, you look at the teams that are around them in the standings. Empoli, Torino, Verona, Venezia, Spezia, Samp. They're, like, smack in the middle of all those teams. They're better than the, a lot the, of those the, teams. The two, the two teams that... So actually, the three teams I do want to stay up from what they're looking at right now, I like Venezia from a jersey perspective. They're, I think their jerseys and colors are really nice, yeah, and also and also Americans. and they have Americans, which is huge. I like them. Busio looks good. I like Busio. Yeah, I like Busio a lot. I want Spezia to stay up because one, they have Thiago Motta as a coach, which is always hilarious. But two, my Galano brought this up where. They're doing a kind of Oakland A's advanced analytics approach to their scouting, which I think is a very interesting approach in soccer because it's very hard to kind of get a set process of advanced analytics. And I do want Sampdoria to stay up just because... Kits and because kits I, and study, yeah. even though Venezia have good colors, Sampdoria's kits are very classic. And also it's like, it's a good region of Italy that, that their home stadium is in. And I think it's good for the country to kind of show that level of... Like that, that part of they the have country. Three teams from that from that area. And Samp is by far the best. Right now, yeah. Who are the other two? Genoa and who well, else? I think Genoa will be better. Well, there's Spezia. Spezia's from right there too. Oh, well. I, I mean, I think it's really good for Serie A if like the two Genovese teams stay up. Mm-hmm. I think like Samp versus Genoa is just like a fun game to watch. Always, like, it's, it's, I think it's crazy. I think it's like the top five most heated dirt. Was it Derby della and Laterna? Um, I, I think though, like I, Spezia could drop, Venezia could drop. The third drop team's a little bit more tricky to call. I think, like for me, there are two obvious teams, and then I think. Well, I mean, Empoli is still punching way above their weight at eleventh. They are, but they, Although, they play a fun style. They of play soccer. a fun style, but they Empoli lost. They have given, into but heart they lost. Many times. They lost. What's his name? Zakani. No, he wasn't there. He's, I, I always do that. I'm sorry. Um, but no, I saw them play against Juve and they beat Juve 2-1. And it wasn't like the, oh, they just held and counted. No, they took it to Juve and they they deserved at least a 2-1. Personally, if I if I were to pick the teams that are going to fall, it's going to be Salernitana. Yeah. It's going to be, I hate to say it, I think Spezia. Okay. And, and Venezia. Okay. Mike, you? Yeah, I mean, Salernitana is the easy choice. Yeah, I was about to say, it's unanimous Salernitana is our pick. Too. I think, I'm hoping for a switch between Spezia and uh, Verona. No, I want Verona. I want Verona to fall. I'm, so, yes, yeah. so do I. I, I. I think Spezia is not good enough to stay up. Gun to my head, I guess I'd go with Venezia, but wow. they're just... None, none of you have Empoli. Of, a lot of bad teams in Wow. Italy. I'm gonna go. I would love Genoa to fall, but I wanted Genoa to fall when Preziosi was the owner. Yeah. Now, now it's really, American. Now I've lost my interest in them. I'm, I'm gonna go Salernitana. Can I still vote Juve by any chance? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go Verona. 
And I'm going to go Cagliari. You really think this is the year they fall? I think this is the year they fall because I think, depending how they are in January, that people come in for their pieces at depreciated values. We're gonna Inter's gonna send them somebody in exchange for Cranio in, in a year. Or, or two, you guys get yeah, Nandas like you guys have been rumored to be getting. Yeah, there's some some deals gonna get made out between the two clubs where they'll keep Gallardi afloat because it's in Inter's interest to keep them afloat. Yeah. So, all right, I've got two questions, and then I think I'm gonna call it here. Yes, sure. Easy questions, kind of straightforward. Two massive games in Italy this weekend. I want your picks and I want your scores. Roma Napoli and then the Derby d'Italia. Who's We're, home for each? I believe they're at the Meazza. I can check. I, I can check the. Yes, yeah, the yes, is usually good with the fixtures for that. And then I think that they are at the Olimpico. Yeah, so it's at in Rome and in Milan. You want to go first or I go first? You can go first. <sighs> Napoli two one. For against Roma and then that Inter game, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no. I'm gonna and you said that's in Milan at the San Siro. Two and Inter because. <laughs> Inter play ugly and Juve went ugly, so it's gonna be an ugly game, and it's just gonna be. Inter don't play ugly; they just don't win. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching the Champions League games? Um, at the Olimpico, Spalletti coming home. Oof. Mourinho against Spalletti. God, that is that's a, a fun one. That's, that's a, a pay per view fight. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'd watch that before I watched another pay per view. I'm, I'm busy Sunday. I told my parents. I told my girlfriend. No, I'm, I'm home all of Sunday. Give me two one Roma. Yeah, I think Roma are gonna pull up, pull up at the at the Olympia. I think they're gonna come pissed, and this is gonna be a Mourinho game. Um, oh God, I don't want to hear that. And then Juve. One nothing. <laughs> this has so so. I I was gonna say Juve one nil as well. <laughs> this game has this Juve, has a leg it's got Juve written all over it. Uh, I think Juve's on too good a form right now, and I think Allegri loves coaching these kinds of games. I think like he's sitting down somewhere laughing. He's just like ready for this one. The Roma Roma Napoli. I think Napoli drops points for me this weekend. It's just a mat. I think that, you know, this is their first real test. I, they're going to play a full sh- strength team uh, for the first time. That's like actually a, a good team. Mm-hmm. I'm just between a 1-0 Roma win or a 1-1 draw. And I think I'm going to say 1-1 draw. I think that there are going to be some goals in this. No, nah, I'm, I'm a Napoli shill. I'm going full on. I don't think that I don't. Nine out of nine no, is I, crazy. Honestly, honestly, if I had a choice of making either game my least confident, Oh, fuck. I don't even know. But you know it's going to it's going to be hostile at the Olympico for this. I know, but that, I think because I'm so bullish on Napoli, I think we'll make that my least confident of the two. No, I I, I don't know. The I don't statistics know. alone are enough for me to not pick Napoli. I can't keep believing that they're going to keep bullying this off. Ah, yeah, watch. We're going to do it. Me as I say we now because we're I'm, all confident the Juve win though. <laughs> no, I said I said I said I said, I said Inter three weeks ago we were like this team might get relegated. <laughs> I said, this I team's said, gonna said, win Italy. For the for the record, I said Inter two one. Okay, so hold on. I, 
ask as Marco is my witness. I think last year, even when Inter were twelve points ahead with three games he left, he wasn't he wasn't sure. He thought there was some mathematical Until thing. It's he was mathematically <laughs> impossible. No, he no, he's still skeptical. Oh, I remember. I'm still <laughs> waiting. I'm still waiting for them to take the trophy away from like to to rip it out of my clenched so, hands. So, Mike, you had two questions. That was your first question. It would be question. tragic if someone got some phone calls from Inter from last no, year. No, see, <laughs> no other team has a connection that Inter have where their one of their chief directors works at Tim, which is the leading um, phone line operator in, in Italy. He So that was the, he was, she, I think it was he or she was a board member who I think is now currently the owner of Cagliari, believe it or not. Sure. Keep adding to it. But, Mike, what was your second question? Oh, it was just oh, just one for each game. Games. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. What's I have that? one question. Round the bell, round the horn. One storyline to look out for that you're that's interesting that you want people to look at mm. this weekend or in general. In general. Hmm. That's a good one. Oh my god! Look at that table. Let's get figure it out. Or like a player you're interested in. Do non-American-owned Italian teams ever take a stand against racism in Italy? <laughs> this is a real problem. It's a real it's problem. A real problem. No, real, I mean, real you look at it. It's true. But you look at it, and Atalanta never does anything. Agreed. And like Bergamo's a uh, Bergamo's a beautiful place, but it's a hotbed of racism at times, and they're never getting penalized with their fans. And I think it's because it's Italian owners that don't want to deal with the ultras. Do we, do we have to say anything? I mean, you saw the the camera footage of the Lazio fan at, at Dumfries doing the monkey chant. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's horrific. It's, it's and disgusting. the thing is, like, you look at Lotito; he's never going to do anything. Yeah, right. Because those ultras, have, they're psychopaths. Yeah. You know they have they have Lazio by the you know what like they're not they can't do anything. You could say it. Like give give Juve all the props in the world, right? They're the one Italian owned club that will actually stand up to their ultra group, right? Yeah. Not e- not even the the foreign owned Inter will, will stand up to ultra groups that are making fun of their own player. I'm not gonna go off on a tangent on. That. I was really proud of the Napoli fans though. I mean Napoli gets a lot of shit for, for. I mean, <laughs> I I guess racism is not the right word, but there's a lot of people in northern Italy that really look down on southerners and and I mean like after Koulibaly is getting racially abused every weekend they're putting up signs in Naples that say we're all Africans with Koulibaly it's 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 nice to actually see that kind of change happening in in Italy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean, I kind of took this to a very depressing. No, but, turn, it, it, but I think it's uh, yeah, that, it's, it's, a it's, it's, a, it's a it's a very fair point. It needs and to be said. What, and what sucks? It's is, despicable. What sucks is that this is a fair point. That's the sucky thing about it. It's like this is a reality we have to live with in Italian soccer. And I think European soccer. I about to say so. I would say European soccer to a greater extent, yes, deals with this. But I think Italy has more heightened experiences with this. Well, because there's less there's less protocol in play to respond to it like england they catch you you get banned yeah right the the issue still exists fans are still going to the stadium and they're doing they're, they're doing these atro- atrocious acts but england responds in a better way italy doesn't have that luxury it, whether it's because the stadiums are poorly run and they don't have the cameras to catch these people or because the the owners are strictly don't care yeah right there's there's two there's there's that's why italy's worse off in that in that regard yeah. So, and I also feel like Italy has more frequent incidents of this as well. Yeah. Where, like, recently at least. But so I, I, I don't want to water down leaving. Like, I think that's good to leave off. I, 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 I think, I, that's what I was going to say. Um, no, let's get some happier things. Okay, let's get happy, some okay. happier things. Happier? Happier? Okay. Are any Italian teams going to make it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League? I think that's my storyline. Bad storyline? No. I think Juve, if they get the Ooh. right. 
I think Juve. I think Juve is one of those teams that can Juve or Atalanta can get like that right matchup, and then they're going to get they Manchester United, and they're going to get the old UEFA fix, <laughs> and they're going to get knocked out. Oh God! Especially if Zidane is there, watch out. People are Manu. already angry enough that Juve beat Chelsea, so you got to expect yeah. that UEFA is going to come in. That was some that was an ugly win. But I, then my storyline is, you know, if if Italy, if an Italian team makes it past the quarterfinals, because right now I think. A lot of people are kind of waiting for that Italian success in the Champions League because Juve has only been the real kind of team that will exhibit that. And we had to rely on Atalanta, which is like a, it was a COVID season when they went through. I think I think Inter needs to get out of the group. I think Inter plays a certain style that is good against teams that play, right? Against teams that sit back and counter, we're really bad. They're really bad against teams that actually play. I think we can actually we can actually do well. Okay, so I think. It's it, it would be interesting to see Inter in the in. I don't think that they're by no means would I put money on Inter to make the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance, and it's fun. It would be fun to watch. Juve is definitely the most likely. Um, I, I'm leaning that way too. Yeah, especially if they are they technically going to finish top of their group. They won that game against Chelsea, right? They there's still nothing. three games left. Right? There's three so games. So left. anything could happen. Over under how many how many team how many of the four Italian teams do you think just from a number perspective make it out of the group stage? Well, Milan's not. Milan's not. Two. I think two is the number. Okay, so and, uh, do you think it's Juve? It's going to be Juve and, and then Atalanta or Inter. Who do you think is more likely? Okay, I'm doing Inter? I'm, I'm going to say Inter. Say what you want to say about Milan and Atleti. They were terrible today. The oh, Milan was atrociously bad. I didn't, I didn't watch the game. We were watching the uh, the sheriffs try to cuff Inter, which I was. But then I love it because you're getting Gazzetta, which like I mean Gazzetta's big Milan, right? And Gazzetta's like, oh, the they're like the 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 referee's mistake decided the game. It's like, all right, Porto would have scored anyway, man. If they kept pushing, they would have scored. Milan was awful. The, the and the storyline now, but in in the non Milan news media, the storyline is. Milan win this in three Champions League games. Yeah. What is wrong with Milan? Exactly. It's like they're, they're in they're the worst group. group. They're in yeah. the whole, yeah. It's a horrible. I saw group. the group. I was like, you've got to be shitting me. Because I honestly, when I see the group, when I see the group stage drawn, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I always look forward to seeing what the Italian team drawn because I'm just like, I always feel like there's, I have like this weird bias. Like, oh, they're biased against the Italian teams that they always put them in hard groups. Like Inter's group last year was hard. Um, Atalanta, I don't think, was an easy group last year either. I think last year, Inter should have gone. All right, my last question. Yeah. One na- one word response. Yeah. Just the last name. Starting striker for the Azzurri right now. Oof. Just the last name, and we'll end it on that. Mike, you go first. Skamaka. Who it is or who it should be? So give, give me your... So, to, to, so right now, who it should be, like for qualifying, yeah. and then who you think it will be come World Cup. Could Daniel Maldini get his dad? <laughs> Can he get him to convince Mancini that he's not a Serie B player? Uh, so, yeah, so Scamacca right now for qualifying? I mean, I could see Scamacca playing right now. I guess he's more of a future guy. I don't like Chido at the Nazionale. He's just not good. Um, but who else do you have? I mean, you false nine it. You could play Zaniolo. I'd like that. I think right now, Belotti. Oh. I think going forward, Raspadori. Those are my two picks. Right now, I would experiment with Raspadori. And then for the World Cup, I think it'll be Moise Keane. 
That's a hot take. Yeah. It's a very hot well, take. Well, Moise the only one that's a starter right now. Look, you said you said one word answers. All right. All right, we're done. That's all the time we're we done. have. Right. Thank you. Sorry, Mike. What's your last point? Oh, no. I said all right. Oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right, all Sorry, right. I had to put the hammer down. So, guess how long we've been podcasting for? Uh, Take a guess. Two hours. Two hours, 23. An hour, 43 minutes. Oh, oh felt wow. so much longer. I hate you guys. I know. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Galano, for podcasting. This is the first official episode of the Caltro Podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll play you out. And ciao, everybody.